0: baker and welcome back to the kitchen confidant podcast today we're chatting with Jermaine stone also known as the wolf of wine Jermaine is a bronx native who has crafted a career blending his two passions hip-hop and wine after getting his start at Zacky's wine auction he founded crew love selections a wine branding and marketing agency dedicated to engaging hip-hop fans with the world of wine he also hosts the podcast "The Original Wine and Hip Hop," and now is traveling the country in TasteMade's newest series, "Street Some," exploring the stories behind the chefs and delicious foods in each city and sharing unique wine pairings. Welcome to the podcast, Germain.
1: Thank you for having me. Wow, this is this is so fun. You sound amazing doing that by the way. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you. Well, that means a lot coming from you since I know you present and you have a podcast and all those other
1: things. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, Jermaine, I always start by asking what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you?
1: Oh, wow, that's a great question. The first thing I'd ever cooked I'm going to say boiled eggs. Uh, <laughs> I remember being very, very proud of myself when I could boil eggs, but then, you know, it goes to the, the, the top ramen noodles with, you know, you throw this little sprinkling on there. You think you're doing something, but then, you know, when, by the time I was making grilled cheese, I was a Michelin star chef. You oh, know, yeah. that <laughs> Opened the restaurant, set me up. But by the time I was making grilled cheese, I was a professional.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, boiled eggs and ramen go well together. So I have to ask you, what's your favorite boiled egg? Is it a six-minute egg, seven-minute?
1: Mm, no, I like mine to be a little bit runny in the middle. Yeah, You know, I don't I don't like them to be too, too firm and, and, and dry. So I like them a little runny in the middle.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, Jermaine, could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what your life looked like before you entered the wine world? Because mm. I imagine little jermaine may not have imagined himself working in the wine industry
1: (laughs) definitely definitely not no you know i grew up in the bronx new york surrounded by hip-hop you know my life felt like it was just uh hip-hop was a soundtrack to my life and and my entire environment so um, of course i ended up getting into hip-hop and rapped all throughout my teenage years all through high school expected to be a rapper you know at that time like my parents everyone around me expected me to be a rapper to the point my parents didn't even get mad that i didn't take my sat's because it was just assumed yeah well he's gonna get his record deal and then you know he'll, so it was a thing and um you know ultimately rap was taking a little long started getting myself into more trouble than i probably should have and my parents were like okay well Let's, uh, let's make sure you get a plan B in there. And um, I, I just you know went to college literally just to shut my parents up. And um, my dad is one of those people who, if he's paying for it, he pulls the strings and I'm not someone to have their strings pulled. So I decided to go to school and, um, and pay for my own college. But to do that, I took any job that I could possibly get, which would give me um, office experience. And I knew that I was gonna start at the bottom somewhere. I just wanted a nine to five, and the job that I found was at a um, a fulfillment house for a wine auction for, uh, a wine auction uh, house. So worked in the warehouse, shipping out all these wine auction orders. That was at Zachy's, and it was it changed my life. Interesting thing is, during that time, I felt out of love with the the music business and fell in love with the wine business so i always kept writing music but i just never wanted to be professional and uh anymore once i got into wine i saw so much of the things that the rappers were talking about i was just around that stuff like you have biggie and Hypnotize saying like cargo, my cargo, 160 i was like eating cargo at wine auctions He's talking about being in restaurants with mandolins and violins. I was in restaurants with mandolins. So all these things these, this highlight a lot of these rappers were talking about. I was around it in wine auction and I assimilated towards it and felt comfortable in it because of my love and intimate knowledge of hip hop. Um but separately, a lot of the 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 people and clients that I was around were interested about hip hop, knew a little bit about it and didn't have anyone that could really ambassador them into that culture because of the, you know, the disconnect. And similarly, I felt the same way with wine because I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know enough to get in because of the disconnect. So, so many of the dinners and things that like that, that I would go to and my entire time in wine auction, I, Um, It was always this cultural exchange and that was what interested me and fostered me along and kept me interested. So during that, I ended up evolving and growing in the business, worked my way all the way up to auction director over the course of 13 years uh, and auctioneer. So that was a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) over the course of 13 years in wine auction. And then following that, I moved off into private consulting um, and the consulting side of things was really still servicing the fine wine auction clients that I've been working with in my auction past, and um, you know i the hip hop side of me still never died. So I've always wanted to figure out ways to begin to put wine in front of a more hip hop audience, and my friends that were buying bottles at nightclubs for the prices that my other friends were buying bottles at auction. So why not try to introduce these two worlds? Uh, so I, I to to stay relevant while i was not in wine auction um which was a difficult time you know my mom passed away i was not able to take another job during that time so i began consulting and to to main to keep my expenses low i started the podcast wine and hip hop just to stay in front of my clients never to you know become an influencer or anything like that just highlight the culture that i had been experiencing that entire time in wine and it was a cheaper way than paying for expensive dinners and things to stay in front of my clients. And that was in 2016, but as you know, the change in media during that time, the change in the importance of wine media in wine sales and the wine business, but then also the importance of diversity and um, cultures that were you know, generally less diverse, wanting to find ways to organically connect with other cultures. So you know, a lot of um, my consultancy took a more of a turn and a lot more of a content focus in just bringing the two worlds together. And so, you know, it's it's just such a great opportunity to host a show like Street Psalm because what Street Psalm does, you know, you got to think about cultures and how foods speak for cultures. So this is just a bigger... Uh, iteration of the the sorts of things that I've been trying to do of, of bringing um, wine and, and American culture together.
0: It is the perfect platform for you. you. And I just love that you are an ambassador for both worlds and that you can bridge that gap. And it's so interesting, too, to hear your experience of going from a person who has been listening to these concepts and these ideas to actually living it um and i could just imagine you know what what went through your head as you were tasting different wines and then trying to share that with the people that you love <laughs> so and plus and you're right in the 2016 mark that whole 2016 to 2018 19 it was a definitely a different and interesting time in media i also think the wine world is wising up and realizing that they need to evolve and that the world is not very it has, you know, the wine world I feel like has to change, you know. And yes. so I yes. think that it's it's great that you are cultivating this audience. So how did Street Psalm come about, first of all? Like did someone just call you and say, hey, we've got this great idea, or was this an idea that you really <laughs> wanted to pitch to somebody?
1: No. Well, you know what? I've been doing a lot of like food and wine pairing things online for for a bit now. But um, no one one day, you know, got contacted like, hey, you know, we got this cool opportunity about hosting a cool show. Um, And once I connected with the team, it was absolutely similar, like within line to everything I was doing about bridging cultures, pairing wine and food that speaks for cultures um, and speaking to people and, and connecting. So I was really excited. and felt like I was a great fit for it. Um, separately, you know, this collaboration, the the collaboration of the studio between, uh, Tasteman and, 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 uh, and Constellation Brands, Mm -hmm. I've been working with Constellation for years and had a great relationship with them. So this is like, kind of like all family coming together, you know? (laughs) So, It it really felt like a very natural thing with a lot of um, relationships that existed, presenting themselves in much bigger ways.
0: Mm -hmm. So one thing that I was thinking about was your worlds of wine and hip hop are really very similar, if you think about it. Hip hop, you've got such an interesting blend. You've got samples. You've got, you know, all these influences. Wine is the same thing. You're blending different varietals. You've got different, you know winemakers putting their own spin on things. What makes it such a perfect pairing in your head?
1: Mm. Well, I think that, you know, fundamentally, there are a lot of similarities, just things like the the idea of the, the, um, the importance of metaphors in both hip-hop music and metaphors in wine. Really, sommeliers are just giving metaphors with flavors that you might understand you might taste something and not understand it so they need to give you a metaphor mm-hmm. this is like you know wet stone acidity this is like you know a lemon or so it's similar to you know uh, an artist needing to say I'm uh, I'm hot like the ambers of a white fire you know it's the same thing it's uh, so that just fundamentally from that perspective is one but um you know just even essence wise and culturally you know, and, and most people when they think about the wine business, they think that for people to get into it, they have to be a wine maker or a sommelier in a restaurant. But there are so many different industries that require like hustle. So the the sense of entrepreneurship around hip hop and that sense of entrepreneurship around folks in wine is absolutely similar. Everybody that you can speak to in wine got a side hustle. They're consulting as well as maybe doing a little trading or, you know, their assignment, a restaurant, there are influence online, you have to have multiple revenue streams in this business to really thrive. Mm-hmm. And that's a, in a sense in wine. And it's also a sense in hip hop. But then, you know, the community that there, I could go on for days. <laughs> but the beauty is that there are that many connections that exist that people just didn't realize. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's great to be able to Highlight those things, create a platform for people to see one another and connect on those similarities and grow from there. Cause I'm sure there, there are a lot more.
0: Yeah. I love what you you touch upon with the metaphors because I'm imagining now that when you read why notes, you probably see it in a completely different way than I do.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Why samoyes are a bar spitters, man. When sometimes when you hear him ripping off that <laughs> this tastes like bar. They, they, you got to be good with the words, wordplay, you know. Totally. And a, a good psalm is really able to use eloquent words to help you visualize what that taste is like. You mm-hmm. know, we have to bring things to to, to life in your mind uh, through words, and um, that is a that's a similar thing with rap. You know, even the element of storytelling wine is really just story in a bottle you think about the concept of of terroir um terroir is the um combination of all of the growing elements around um the the vines that produce the wines in, in your bottles um but you think about terroir and the fact that it's um regional you know that means that all the different effects of terroir like the soil type the 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 climate is it a wet climate a dry climate even the the slope that the the vines are grown on is it Mm -hmm. flatland is it a hill all these things affect what the wine is going to taste like so there's a a a geographical fingerprint that happens similar that with wine and and, was similar with music Mm -hmm. music from LA sounds one way but music from the bay area sounds one way Mm -hmm. music in in the south sounds one way and it has a group similarity southern but there's also like subsets like you got trap music you have and and even still memphis hip hop sounds different from atlanta hip hop and each region has its its particular style in music each region has terroir so um even something as as simple as that helps people to understand and connect and find interest in wanting to try new things
0: yeah, well, speaking of trying new things in regions, I love that in Street Psalm, you're traveling the country, you kick things off in New York, my hometown. So that yeah. was so fun. <laughs> um, and I like that you share low key foods and then highbrow foods as well. So what was really interesting to me is that you really captured the melting pot of New York. And even at 11 Madison Park, which you don't necessarily think melting pot, it's there. And that was great. But what really struck me was how you were pairing wines with the plant-based menu. So what were your thoughts going into that?
1: Well, you know, you think of a place like Eleven Madison Park is absolutely an an institution, you know, and the level of professionalism and precision Mm -hmm. in every single thing that's done um, and so of course, they're gonna have an amazing wine program. I was actually there when they got their 11th Michelin star, there was like a, a fun celebration there, oh, and nice. we had an opportunity to, like, yo, Doogie House MD was like Neil Patrick Yay. Harris was just chilling <laughs> there randomly. It was a cool night. Um, but I had an opportunity to really get through the menu and understand that really all that plant based stuff just, is. is tastes all the same. It's all the same components of flavors, you know, salty, pepper, like it, it all exists. Um, so it's really, it, it's the same. And, and with pairing wine and food, it's just finding um, diff- the different elements of taste and playing off of those, whether it's um, finding a, a, uh, a contrast, which is, you know, going to be opposing, or parallel, which is going to be, you know, follow each other and offer different notes of the same thing, um, but combined, you enjoy them a bit more. So yeah, with that, you know, there's some great wines that'll have like some some nice like uh, green vegetable notes un- as undertones. And so it's really easy to assume that I'm going to be able to find some of those notes in the plant-based menu, but, and there's also so much complexity going on. There's so many different flavors happening at one time. Mm -hmm. It almost makes it easier for Uh, a place like 11 Madison Park because I have so many different ways that I can go. It's like, we're going to compliment. It's it's almost like catching an (laughs) alley-oop. You know, they already doing a great job. I just got to come in on the back end and throw it home. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: do you um, get to taste before you pair or are you going in blind? Are you carrying like, some wine bags with different options? Like, I'm just wondering how you (laughs) approach this.
1: No, so, you know, leading up in in all the production of the show, we get an opportunity to to go through the entire menu of each place that we're gonna go to. And then I'll have like a batch of wine. So I'm going in before I actually taste it. Um, Just thinking about the different elements of the wines. Now, Now, these are wines that I've tasted before. A lot of times the foods I haven't tasted. But ultimately, you know, the first time I'm tasting the wines, I'll make notes. But also, based on wine style and terroir, which we learned about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, I can assume how some of, some different flavor elements from these wines and these styles of wines. So even though I'm not tasting them together, I'm able to um, have an informed decision on what it would probably taste like on the day of the episodes before, uh, we, we shoot, I do try the pairing and wrap my head around what I'm actually thinking in that moment. Cause there might be some things that I missed, you know, maybe the pairing was off, but I'm not going to lie to you. I was Steph Curry from the, from the, from the three-point line on this one, everything <laughs> hit. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad about that. That's a relief, um, Sorry right? for all the basketball metaphors, guys. Uh, <laughs> But, um, no, it was, it was a lot of fun doing that. And the food was, man, there were days I really loved my job.
0: Yeah. Well, you have a good job.
1: <laughs> I'm curious
0: about places like 11 Madison Park that may have a summit or two in residence. Do you work with them or do they say, Hey, you have at it, go for it?
1: No, you know, interestingly enough, and that's a great question because in places like Eleven Madison Park or places that have a renowned reputation around wine, I always ask the psalm. And because we're all still learning, you know, and they know that wine less better than anyone. (laughs) So, and the the, the trick is, and this is the OG trick for everyone listening out there. Sometimes when you ask that question and the psalm knows you enjoy wine, they might give you a little something out the back off the list. That's how you get the off list stuff. When, because psalms, you know, they're all wine nerds. They like to talk about wine with people that will appreciate it. It's not about spending all the money. It's about sharing a, a common uh joy with someone, you know? Mm-hmm. And look, these people at work, man, they trying to pass the time. <laughs> so.
0: And they're happy to open. You know, you're right, because I've had some amazing experiences. I think if you just show some inquisitiveness and exactly. ask questions, they get so excited, and then they're... They're looking for an excuse to possibly taste, you know, something that rang a bell, like, you know, in your conversation. I think it's exciting for them, too.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. In any in any career that you're in, I don't care if you're delivering papers or working at McDonald's, you have to to get through the day and to find to do a good job at your in your career. You have to find the enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Search out the enjoy and you can enjoy any job, no matter how meaningless. it is. Find the enjoyment and lock in on that. And enjoying being a psalm in a restaurant is talking to people. Mm-hmm. You like they feed off you, you know. So a good go ahead, talk to your psalms, get some questions, like whether you know about wine, whether you don't you'll have a good time.
0: I agree. Okay, well on the opposite end of the spectrum, you also had some amazing spicy fried chicken and you paired a really unusual blend. It had in and Petit Syrah. So I think a lot of wine enthusiasts who watch the show are gonna really love your open-mindedness and your adventurous spirit with your pairings. So how can we at home take more chances with wine, because I know people get in ruts. There are people like I've met who are like, oh, I don't like Chardonnay. And it's like, whoa, all of Chardonnay? <laughs> like,
1: I know, or I only I like
0: a California cab. So what are your thoughts for people who need to broaden their horizons?
1: <laughs> well, uh, we're in a very fun time in wine where I think, I feel like we're in an exploratory era where people wanna try different things different varietals, winemakers are a little, like people are just kind of like out of ideas, like, and just throwing stuff at the wall. So there's a great opportunity to try a lot of things, which is um, one of the uh, fundamental um, uh, tenants in wine is like, try stuff. They call it wine tasting for a reason, because you just got like, try stuff. So don't be afraid to be wrong. You know, start out with just trying things and highlight your focus on enjoyment. When I'm uh, pairing a wine and a food, you know, the first thing I think about is what's the most delicious? Some days I wake up and I I, my, I I have a taste for Merceau, you know, that some days I wake up, I just want some white burgundy. That's how I feel in the morning. And um, if I'm doing a pairing, I might start from the level of enjoyment of that white burgundy. Um, but Sometimes I want some delicious food. So if I'm making a pairing, I'm not going to bound myself with rules that I did not come up with where they don't know my individual taste. So my first thing is to start with something that I find incredibly delicious. That is the only rule that I start with. But other than that, try things. Um, You know, in, in that situation, when I thought about that pairing and, you know, one a big part of the ethos of the show is, is um, challenging convention in that way and helping people to open their minds and approach things from a different perspective. So when we said fried chicken and, you know, often people think like the fact, and it was a great way to start because one of the classic food and wine pairings, fun food and wine pairings anyway, is, um, fried food, fried chicken and champagne. That's the thing that a lot of people do. So, you never think red wine. I'm like, okay, how can I do a fried chicken and red wine pairing? I look at the fact we're doing uh, uh, a spicy chicken, but you think about, um, and this is actually, this is something that's interesting and I think more unique, a unique requirement for the style of wine that I was playing with. And this is also important for knowing the wine that you're tasting. But I looked at the fact that there was spice and people run away from tannins and spice, but I like, pe- I'm Jamaican. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like pepper. So mm-hmm. I wanted that to be turned up a little bit, but we got the opportunity of a blend. So you got the zin, which brings in much more rich berries and that intense fruit, which will give your palate the impression of sweetness that's going to quill the, the pepperiness in that chicken and make it a little bit more manageable. So thinking about things like that is just, And again, this is where the the rap brain comes in, because to have a good metaphor, it's more appreciated the more left field it is. So I I looked at that in that regard. But just to make a long story longer, uh, (laughs) (laughs) just just uh, starting out with finding what thinking about how different can I go and try it to see if you're wrong first. You could be wrong. But guess what? Nothing beats failure but a try. So
0: Yeah, and it's not going to be <laughs> gross. It's still going to be delicious. Do you know what I mean? Because like, you
1: started with something delicious. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of delicious, what are the other delicious destinations that you're going to take us on this season?
1: Man, so we are also going to hit uh, Savannah, Savannah, Georgia. That was a great, great city. I slept on it. I did not realize what was going on down there in the mm-hmm. food scene, but... Very, very fun stuff, and that's a great episode. We're going to Houston. That episode's crazy. I'm in the studio eating lobster with Bun B, <laughs> you know, which is, yeah. like, crazy. Uh Let's see. We go to Miami. We're in uh, San Francisco, Chicago. And the, the the season really takes people on a journey through culture, um, helps them meet some interesting people. But also, like, I didn't realize this until it was done, but it, like, shows, like, a path of evolution for me also, which is kind of still going on. So it's just been such a a fun and and cool experience.
0: That's so cool. I cannot wait for all the episodes. I am very curious about your experience at Cezanne in San Francisco. When I saw that, I was like, because I just had, they did a really great Um, I did a taste, not a tasting, like a tasting menu, I should say at Slanted Door and Saison was doing all the pairings and I enjoyed it tremendously. So I saw that. I was so excited. I can't wait to see what you do there.
1: That was, you know, and that was, I want to, that was like the second episode that we had shot. And when I went to Saison, I feel like for me as a host in that space, that was kind of a turning point because You know, a part of it is like me being so inquisitive and and learning about this stuff. And I mean, the Saison is a restaurant where all the ingredients have been made from like for they're all fermented. It's all fermented ingredients. Mm -hmm. So and nothing is wasted. So if they're chopping up carrots and putting the the carrots in an oven and season them and, and send them out, they're taking everything left over from the carrots, fermenting it and using it down the line and not even knowing what flavor it's going to produce, but using it in some sort of sauce. I mean, so you go in there and there's all of this stuff just fermenting across this back shelf. It looks like you in like Gargamel's lab on the Smurfs <laughs> or something. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, I'm like, Oh wow. So, you know, people will see like all these real reactions, but Saison specifically to see that, and then taste it and it's actually good. It's just so impressive. It's so impressive.
0: Well, I can't wait. I'm so excited for what you're doing. I think it's so fun. <laughs> I want your job.
1: <laughs> the more I do this Come on, an episode. Come yeah, on an episode. we well, hey, need some company. Season two.
0: <laughs> yeah, season two. Season two.
1: two. We, we got to come out to the Bay Area. We going to eat.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I have some quick rapid fire type closing questions, if you don't mind, before I let you go. What's Love rapid fire. <laughs> What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook? You just need an emergency dinner.
1: Mm, to this day, top ramen noodles. Yeah. Still. <laughs> <laughs> to this day. Don't judge me, y'all. Yeah. Don't judge me.
0: I was just talking to my husband the other day about ramen and just like the cup of noodles, like even, you know, that was just <laughs> comforting.
1: No, you know what? I I would actually change that. The, the quick go-to is grilled cheese and um, sunny side up eggs. Mm. I love them. That that's get what wrong I do. with that
0: either. Back to the end. I'm a
1: breakfast for dinner guy. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What's the one recipe that you treasure the most?
1: Oh man, it's um a recipe I got from my good friend Alexander Smalls. It is a cinnamon scented fried guinea hen. Ooh. Please Google it. It is so good. It is so good. It takes you have to brown the chicken for like 24 hours. It's like cinnamon, peanut butter, like when I, I I became friends with him because of having this chicken in his restaurant <laughs> and constantly going back there
0: That's so awesome. I was happy when
1: the cookbook released
0: nice I'm gonna google it um are you a messy cook or a neat cook
1: messy I'm a I'm so messy like and I don't clean while the kitchen's a complete wreck after the meal I'm yeah, that guy me too. <laughs> what's a
0: good kitchen tip that you can share
1: clean while you're cooking
0: (laughs) well every week on fridays i try to share five little things with my audience something that made me smile is there anything that made you smile this week
1: Mm, something that made me smile well there was two things there was um the release of street so it's hard to wipe that smile off my face (laughs) monday was awesome um but but also um of course my my hanging out with my, my son and my daughter, you know, I started the week with that day was a, a fun family day with the two with my son 16. My daughter's five. They have these age differences. They live in different parts of, of New York. So it's like, I don't get time with them together with mm-hmm. uh, just us three. And we did that. I start. that was my Sunday. And it was a very, very good day. So um, that and then the release of Street song next day. You know? Um, feeling good. <laughs> it doesn't get any better.
0: Congratulations. I'm so excited for you. Where can everyone find you? And Street Psalm.
1: Ah, uh, well, you can hit me up on Instagram at Wolf of Wine. You know, Wolf, like the Wolf from Pulp Fiction, not like Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and you can watch Street Psalm every week on Taste Made on the Taste Made Network which is just, it's amazing. I was at a party the other day and this woman ran up to me like, I watched your show. I was like, oh, wow. You know, so I'm I'm glad to know that people have really enjoyed it and, and I hope everyone enjoys it and definitely hit me up and let me know what you think.
0: Oh, I cannot wait for everyone to watch it. So thanks again for spending this morning with me.
1: Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me on.
0: Chatting with Jermaine reminds me that when you follow your passions, you will find a way to make a living. And in his case, a very delicious one. I love how he is redefining American wine culture with each episode of Street Sum. Be sure to check out this series on the Tastemate streaming app and maybe pour yourself a glass while you're at it too. Thank you again to Jermaine for inspiring me to think of hip hop and wine in new ways. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking.